0: All right. Howdy. Howdy, listeners. Greetings, Internet. (laughs) Greetings. Greetings. So today was a big day in Silicon. One of the companies that we like to talk about had their um, technology conference. This is NVIDIA we're talking about, in case anybody hasn't followed. They had GTC Today. Uh, in which a flurry of announcements um, were made. Obviously, many of them around AI, because who who's not talking about AI these days? If you're not in uh, semiconductors, oh Jay's not. Jay's not. He he raised his hand. Um, <laughs> friendly reminder: we also have things on on YouTube in case you want to see our faces. I, I I turned my background to green today. In, uh, in which Jay made fun of me of uh, in uh, in honor of us talking about Nvidia. But I, I want to start with uh, a key question philosophically. I think I, I, think I might know the answer, but, uh, but regardless, I wanna ask it. So one of, one of Jensen, uh, Jensen's main points, so CEO of NVIDIA, is that AI is having its iPhone moment. And so I'm curious, one, do you, do you agree with that? Or two, would you put it a different way in terms of this sort of call it
1: inflection point that we're having around AI? Yeah, so that was certainly a big topic for Jensen Huang. I mean, I think he mentioned it six times in his keynote. Yeah. Kept saying that this is the iPhone moment, and I, I get it. I think I'm, I'm not quite convinced we're there yet. I I have like I, I unquestionably the technical achievement around GPT and all these other LLMs is astounding. Some incredible stuff they can do. I'm just not convinced that this is something that's gonna like reshape the world the way the iPhone did. Um, happy happy to be wrong on this, but let's let's bookmark this and come back in a year and see if we're laughing at me.
0: Yeah, I I mean I I, I go multiple ways on this. I mean I think again right you're you're right in the in the context of the The iPhone was sort of pivot, pivotal from a a boom standpoint. One with a new kind of category of computing. I think what we've talked about before here is we're talking about computing in a different way. And and I made this point with an article I wrote um, last week where I sort of said you know this is the year that AI goes mainstream. And the point that I made was it's going to diffuse very quickly because it can be done on all the devices that we have today. You know you don't need new hardware. To at the, and the end client level to take advantage of what's going on in the back end and development. And so because of that, it's going to it's going to diffuse very, very quickly. And th- that, I think, is a little bit different than, well, to take advantage of this developer doom, I need to buy a new piece of hardware, in this case a smartphone. We're going to be able to do all this. Whatever is
1: innovative in six months, we're going to be able to do it on the devices we have. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I also think in terms of... New modes of living and new business models. I'm not convinced that AI is exactly doing that. Um, wh- one of the things that was very prominent in the keynote and a lot of the other sessions is all the all the people who are using AI, and, and we should come back and talk about all the people, all these lists of people. But like you know, they talked about drug discovery, or uh, somebody who's, I think BMW is designing a new factory using AI, and my thought was. You know, before AI existed, you, you were doing that already. AI makes it better, but it's not, I mean, and arguably much better, but I don't think you're fundamentally changing the way you're, you know, organizing your whole life. As, as opposed to an iPhone or a smartphone, when, you know, like just so many, we just the sort of immediate access to information changes so many different things in the world. Um, this is, this is an improvement, but it's not necessarily new. Yeah. it's It's like I said, a couple episodes ago, if you had the same conversation, you just replaced the word AI with software, it it would be true. It would also be less exciting. You know, you wouldn't have stirring music in the background.
0: Yes. Yes. No, I, I think that's a great, a great perspective. Okay. So that was on the overall framing and positioning another theme that i caught and i thought this was really interesting because you know jensen didn't just come out and say i hate x86 but in a lot of the things that he said announcement wise or 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 shunned of the processor right he just like, took the little x86 cpu processors and kind of put them in a little corner and was like they're they're okay for there but if you want to minimize your cost if you want to minimize your power savings there's better places to do that, and you can do those things on these GPUs, or you can do them on some of the accelerator cards that they're launching, like the L4. And 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 so I kind of took this like, man, I mean, he is really, you know, I mean, I think we all who know Jensen's past and himself, like there is no love for for x86, but 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 really in in the way that they are they are architecting their products, and and even how they're moving in the um, the Grace Hopper ARM CPU into some of these products it really feels like this is a continued all-out assault on, on x86 in the data center.
1: I, I would almost term it a victory lap. Okay. Because because there there was one product sort of late in the keynote where he, he mentioned, oh, this is going to be this module and it's going to have uh, an Intel CPU in it. And I thought, wow, that was that was very gracious. It was very magnanimous of him in victory to award them this consolation prize. Because yes. everything else was just like... I you know like this is so much better than he ex- explicitly called out like this is better than the best x86. Yeah. Which is important because it's not even better than Intel. He's implying it's better than AMD with who has, yeah. you know, advanced process. So it, yeah, I I think you're right. This is very very clearly uh, uh you know x86 barely matters anymore kind of moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And 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 philosophically an, another kind of positioning statement he used that I actually really like because in the vein of saying, okay, look, let's have the best product in the data center for the best workload or the best acceleration of that workload. One One of the things that I think was just wrapped into all of the different industries that they talked about was how... They are via, you know, in this case, GPU architectures or their software stack, accelerating workloads, but there's more workloads that need to be accelerated. So he used sort of this frame every industry needs to accelerate every workload. I think he said that like two or three right. times. And I thought that was really interesting because it shows one, how much growth there is, but still just the point that. You know, we we, we aren't optimizing processes on the back end. Every business isn't as efficient as possible. And yes, there's a mix of CPU, GPU, NPU. I mean, you you name it, right, that plays into that. But I thought positioning-wise, that was really clever, right? Coming out and saying lots of industries need to accelerate workloads. We're not even close. And that's why we believe so much in our roadmap and our software stack, etc.
1: Yeah, you know, it it, it gelled for me something because he's been in the press a lot for the past year or so saying... Moore's law is dead, right? Which I, I don't think is accurate, but he's, it's, he's been saying that a lot. So I have to think about it. And I finally understood today why he's saying that. Because I, I don't think he's explicitly talking about sort of lithography. What he's really saying is general compute. I, I, would, I would probably phrase it as general compute is dead, right? And so you need to accelerate things. You need to take a more custom approach. You need to sort of tailor your solution to the industry vertical and... It makes tons of sense to do that on on a you know an NVIDIA GPU or an NVIDIA system. I
0: think, and that actually, I think that's 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 well put. And and interestingly, he did not say today that Moore's law is dead. He said it slows down. Even though I know he has publicly said it's dead, the safe the safe non <laughs> non confrontational way to say this is just to say it's slowed down because everyone agrees with that. So I I when he kept he kept like. Building it up, I thought for sure he was gonna say Moore's Law is dead because he was like, "Yeah, you know, Moore's Law was the 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 driver of the industry." I was like, "Here it comes, here it comes," and then he said, "Slows down." So I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, but but on this point of these accelerating workloads, I thought it was really interesting that kind of one of the announcements that that I'm interested that caught me was there, um, is there is is Litho, which is essentially accelerating. Um, computational lithography that it looks like a number of the the manufacturers like ASML, TSMC are going to use having access to that library. But the way that GPUs then, he was saying, or it could be used to accelerate this in manufacturing, And I thought was super interesting. And then again, an example of an industry that can accelerate workloads via GPUs and hence they have
1: this, you know, cool litho announcement. So I, I think two, two takes from that. One, One is I think there's a broader point. To me, this was the theme of the whole show was every announcement was a partner. We're doing this incredible thing with this other company, right? I looked it up today. They have 37 press releases out today, which is Mm. staggering in its own right. Way more than half, probably two-thirds of them explicitly mention a partner in the headline, right? So vast amount of, of attention focused on who they're working with which is, again, sort of customizing to a vertical solution. And I think that's that's a really important theme. And then we turn to Coolitho, which is like almost a perfect example of this. It's almost too perfect because it so explicitly is in their best interest to improve lithography. But it's really, really, it was really fascinating what they're talking about. Like, you know, he had that, he had that moving diagram of how the ASML EUV machine yeah. worked which I thought was super fascinating. But then it, when we actually got down to the sort of nitty gritty of what litho can do, like, I mean, there's, it's an advanced course in lithography right there. Yeah. And just the idea that like, oh, the math doesn't look like the circuit. It, you have to like, light does strange things and you need to sort of computationally address those. And yeah, let's accelerate that and do it even better. I mean, that's, that's to me, like it's, it's really abstract and esoteric. You have to go through a couple layers of semiconductor background to get there. But it's, you know, to me, that's like this, that's the chat GPT equivalent. It's like something really useful, yeah. right? And then you're not writing, you know, rap songs or iambic pentameter application essays. You're doing something very uh, creative in, in a sense, but just with crazy complicated math on a crazy complicated manufacturing process. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and, and on this theme, that you that you touched on that I think is also kind of the underlying you know point of this is there was always there was the the hardware product that they were talking about that played a role in said area. Then there was the software enablement, the platform or the software standards that were being used that Nvidia supports. And then in some cases there were now services really on top of this as it looks like NVIDIA is moving more, you know towards some forms of services, like, you know, DGX Cloud was an example of that, where, um, you know, they're holding hybrid training platforms, they had their foundational models, which I think is worth talking about, because that was super interesting, trying to just democratize and make sure more people have equal access to large language models, not just, you know, open AI and, 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 uh, and, and Google and others. And so you see that, you know, there was hardware, there was the software component and then there was a services component in some as well in some of these verticals. And that's you know that's kind of the first time I've seen Nvidia present that, that whole hardware software services strategy. I know internally they like to be thought of as a platform company. You can easily think of them as a platform company, but, but to really cement it, right? It's not just the hardware. we're not just a pure play semiconductor company. We have the software ecosystem and now we have services. That run on top of that but but it really is all tightly integrated you know it's not it's not f- uh, fragmented out in terms of like piecemeal it's like you need these stacks together and when you do you get to these
1: accelerated efficiencies that they talk about y- yeah i i know they announced omniverse last year i think at their analyst day and i remember when it first came out i thought i thought like omniverse that, that sounds kind of weird like there wasn't a lot of detail. And like, my obvious question is, aren't you going to end up competing with your biggest customers? And today I think what he delivered or what they delivered was a sort of very fully fleshed out, fleshed out, you know, concept of what a program for what all of this means, not just Omniverse, but sort of their broad software s- system solution platform really looked like. Uh, and it, it, I certainly came away thinking like, oh, these these guys have really thought through this pretty well. Um, there's a lot of detail here. There's a lot of very tangible, you know, specific use cases. Here's what customers are going to do with it. And I, I thought that was that was a yeah. To your point, like this is this is a real product. They're going to do all these all these things. Right. And right. right because companies companies talk about these kinds of things all the time. Oh, we're a solutions provider, right? But are you right? or Are you just selling it, you know a fifteen cent you know part. And I think, you know, to, to their credit and to Jensen's credit, like they, they will deliver on this stuff. And I, I think that was on display today. They actually, they, you know, they put their money where their mouth was, I guess is how you'd say it. Yeah.
0: And from, from a holistic standpoint, you know, they, they've got a lot that uh, really, again, it goes beyond, just the hardware, right? I mean, it's nice. Like you said, Om- Omniverse is interesting. Some of the applications they talked about today, like, you know, BMW building a factory, you know, you can able to run simulations on those factories, right? Because it's essentially a digital twin of something you have currently or something you want to build. And so you can test things, test efficiencies without the grandiose scale. Like th- there's applications that go beyond, right? Just whether or not they push GPUs like that's real world value just from a services standpoint. Yes, it takes GPUs, but there's that software services angle that by
1: itself is actually really interesting. Yeah. I think one of the things that surprised me about this call is how much I learned about other subjects today. Like I mentioned the EUV machine, like, Oh, I'd, I'd never seen one working, yeah. you know, animated. Uh, but it was other things. It was like, how does the drug discovery process work? Like they right. somebody walked through all the steps of it. How does a factory get out? Like I, I thought that like that, that factory, Teleconferencing—I thought that was a little cheesy, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh yeah, you have to move these machines around." There's all these trade-offs, and I can see how this helps things a lot. It was—it was really interesting to me, like how many use cases there are, and how how this could help, and how these things move forward. Yeah, and you know, you do it at a systems level. They're providing more than just the chips.
0: Yeah. So, so let's talk. Uh, again, a philosophical point that was made that I'm, I'm sort of curious, you know, your, your, your take on, because I'm not, I'm not sure I agree, even though I understand why, um, you know, Jensen's positioning this way and NVIDIA likes this idea. But at the same time, it's also very, if this is the world that we move to, it's very uh, good for NVIDIA. But that the vast majority of this compute takes place on the GPUs. You know, he was talking about inference, you know, not just the right. training or the deep So that, again, that's a great world. And he shows a picture where it's like, hey, you can get rid of all these CPUs if you just do all of this. Like, I get why that's there. But philosophically, like I said, I'm not sure I agree that it's just great that we do everything on the GPU. So philosophically, I'm lobbing that one at, at your Do you agree
1: <laughs> all, all these things are best on the GPU? I, I think, I mean, this is the big question in front of semis today is who's going to own the inference market? You know, I've talked about this before. Training is NVIDIA's. Yeah. It's NVIDIA's to lose. And I don't see anyone else really challenging for it anytime soon. So then the question is what the opportunity is in inference. And I think that's, the, that's where a lot of the fight is going to be. I think NVIDIA looks incredibly well positioned to do inference in the data center. Yes. Um, but I think, uh, you know, they're going to have to go up against some of their, their, their customers on that. Because some of them have a different view or want to do it themselves. And then, then there's sort of the edge is left over, like, the, you know, inference on the edge. And that's going to be a huge, huge category, uh, which it's not really their market, so it's okay. But I, I ask myself a lot, like, what's going to be left over for everyone else? Yeah. If NVIDIA and and Amazon and Google are going to take data center inference. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm same on the same
0: part. I mean, there's been multiple reports coming out from from the sell side, just looking at the cost analysis of a lot of these large language models. And, and and similarly, they make the point, right? You've got a fraction of the market in terms of value amount, call it 15, 20%. That's really GPUs, but the rest of the market is for inference. And so that's really the question, right? But, but it makes sense for Nvidia to say, look, you know get rid of, get rid of all of these unnecessary CPUs that's just l- let them do what they should do. In fact, the way that Jensen positioned it is free GPUs for revenue generating workloads. So whatever you do out there that's just going to make money, great. But all of that nitty-gritty work, it, the GPU can eliminate those CPUs, or, or to some degree, they've got these hybrid architectures where you know, they have a CPU tied with their GPU and memory to, again, handle some level of, of inference and training. But it, but it really is trying to position themselves to absorb that market as well with the value that the GPU brings if you just also do inference on
1: those clusters. Yeah, I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense to run this on GPU, right? It, it, because LLMs, AI in general, are massively parallel, parallel, yeah. uh, parallelable, parali- parallelizable,
0: parallelizable. Par-
1: par- yeah, they're they're good for parallel processing, and and so it, it, easy to see how running on a GPU is superior to CPU, and it's just a question of custom ASIC or just ASIC, an AI ASIC versus NVIDIA. And that's, and it's been really fascinating to watch how a few years ago, I think people would have assumed that we'd have a lot more on AI ASICs and NVIDIA is just, you know, walking away with big chunks of the market continuously and taking share back from internal workloads in some case. Yeah. And they've executed really, really well on that. So yeah, they're the, they're the, they're the one to watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, and they had a, a lot of products that, um, you know, again, did, did multiple things, right? They had some of their new cards, like the L4 and the L40 were not just um, AI as a positioning. It was also video streaming, video encode, transcode, um, graphics optimization, graphics rendering. So it was kind of like, you know, you could take these slot cards, put them in, cover a range of bases, still co- still has all the software support, um, but moving the needle in terms of all those applications, because it's not just the AI, but showing how each... Each part of that product adds value to a different segment. I thought was showing the diversity, which was kind of right. I think the point, right, the diversity of general purpose compute on GPUs that can be done.
1: Yeah, I thought that video video encoding piece was. I I I keyed in on that too because my my all time favorite chip right now is the the Google VCU. Yeah. right and google google created that chip specifically for for youtube right it's their own chip it was designed by the youtube engineers couldn't get any more custom and it, they essentially created a, a a category of product that didn't exist before everyone had been using cpu until then and it's it's it, it's always interesting to me, me me that like nvidia says no nah, you don't really need a vcu you can just do it here it's a, it's a really good it's going to be a, a textbook study of whether Merchant versus internal silicon is, is going to win out in the sort of large but niche segment.
0: Right. What did you make? I was just curious because this this kind of struck me as as interesting and I've seen a little bit of analysis come in about their decision to tie themselves with the L4 to the Tensor unit, um, which again, it sounds like it's, it's specifically positioned as inference video accelerator, but I just thought it was interesting that they've made a decision on tensor and that's collaboration with Google. And yes, for now it's going to run in Google cloud. Um, but I was just kind of interested that in your take, you know, they, that's how they're tying themselves, if you will, then this point to, to Google.
1: I, I think my, my very glib answer is that, uh yes, they, for Google, they'll do tensor and for everyone else, they already have CUDA, right. right. And all of the extensions that come with that. So, they, you know, it, I I would look at this and look at this not as them turning away from other approaches. This is just adding one more library, if you will, to what they are. I mean, it's every, everything else is on CUDA. And uh, hey, if you know, if we have to support Tensor to win Google, let's support Tensor. Yeah, right. very customer centric. Yeah, yeah.
0: The the other thing that was kind of subtle. I mean, it didn't come out directly in uh in key- keynote verbiage. Um, but was just this idea of the, the democratat- democratization of these large language models, and in particular, kind of this view of how a hybrid large language model works, right? Let's And you just use like one of their foundational models, which is Nemo, for example, or, or Bionemo, which is an, a, another example because that's that, that, you know, but for Bionemo, for example, it doesn't need to be a, you know, a trillion parameters. It can be partially, A small language model, generally trained on um, on biology or whatever the science is, and then the hybrid part of that comes into research institute has data their own trains their own model on one of these you know GPUs, and now they have the combination of their proprietary data with sort of an open LLM in this case biology, and then to some degree use that as their foundation for differentiation, a service they provide, providing their so this idea of this hybrid. I thought was
1: kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've I've been reading a lot the last couple of days about how quickly so many of the LLMs are getting moved, ported to, you know, not just laptops but like Raspberry Pi. Right. It it is it is very clear that that's going to happen very very quickly, and some of that is just a function of Moore's law, such as it is. But. I, I think that that's just embracing the reality. I think that's where a lot of this is headed—is where people are going to want to run this on prem, if you will, or on their own yeah. on their own hardware, yeah. and uh, might as well just embrace that and head that way. Because right. you know, I, I think other than you know the very very biggest companies, that's how this is going to get. That's how a lot of people are going to interface with with LLMs. Well, and having a card that
0: is basically positioned to to, to serve—call it a five to. Two hundred billion parameter model that yeah you could run on prem better than a consumer GPU but has more of this like if they're not saying like take this and run a trillion you know model they're like this is specifically for these smaller language models and, and it just feels like more organizations will adopt that approach right than just licensing tokens and whatnot from a generic system like chat like OpenAI or or others. And But to me, again, that just comes back to that's really an empowering position for the organization to differentiate and, again, just democratizing this idea so these few companies don't have access to these LLMs. It's sort of a bit more democratized. So I I thought that was helpful because that's been a big part of the discussion, making sure everybody has access to these, can use them. It's not limited to the few, And, and this is part of it. It's early days, but this is part of it.
1: Yeah, and and I I think that's I think that's well put. And if you think about it, like you know Moore's law is not dead. I guess Jensen and I agree on this. So we are going to have three and two nanometer. And once we get there, e- even you know today's trillion parameter model will be accessible on fairly you know basic hardware again. So yeah. it's it, it might as well like they're on, there're you know they're aiming where the puck is going to be kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I, I agree. All right, la- last question.
0: So, coming coming away from sort of the these announcements, are there any cuz this is what I've been trying to figure out, right? I I'm trying to not be overly bullish on Nvidia because like, you know, there needs to be health, healthy competition. But but even after today, it's like, okay, they're even more well positioned it looks like than they were prior to these announcements. So, are there any any gaps you think? Um, strategic kind of holes where others might come in and absorb some of this, just, just to present the counter to the ultimate, you know, bullish position? Like what are some of the potential gaps uh, or holes?
1: Yeah, I, I recognize this has been a bit, little bit of a Jensen love fest. Um, so I, I in, in some senses, like GTC, it's a developer conference. It's not necessarily the place where they're going to announce a lot of new, like, new products, like really roadmap type stuff, uh, everything, almost everything today was sort of just like, yeah, here's this thing. And here's how it's going to work very, very practical as opposed to future. And then you layer on top of that Jensen's proclivity to sort of speak in very visionary terms. Uh, I, I, it's, but it's that, that being said, there's, it's hard to find many gaps, like in terms of what we saw today. They just sort of lined up all the pins and knocked them down one by one, right? Here's for healthcare, automotive, transportation, energy, boom, 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 right? Lithography, yeah. and so I, I don't, I don't think this is the, yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of gaps today. I think you know, we we could, I mentioned before, there's a lot of questions about the edge and what, if any, role Nvidia wants to or can play in that. So that's certainly interesting. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's, um, I'm struggling to think of, I want, I want to find something critical to say, but it's, it's a little so tough the,
0: today. The, the only thing, not the only thing, is one thing, sort of the main thing that hits me is, um, and it's not today, but I guess it's the one thing I'm watching for, is any, any vulnerability in the software stack that essentially could relegate NVIDIA to a hardware company you know they've been smart about this like what they did with cuda was brilliant i don't know if it was a brilliant accident or if it was strategically brilliant to uh to, to 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 really do the end goal that it would which was just make nvidia gpus more valuable but if there was soft and and this is why to some degree i think it's important that they did what they did in foundational models and these more approachable llms because let's say ai gets controlled by Microsoft via OpenAI or Google via BARD, right? You could then see them verticalize their software ecosystem. And then NVIDIA is just the GPU instead of playing role in that software stack. That would be the only thing, that, again, not to say and the GPUs get commoditized, but you see where I'm going, right? It's not as valuable if there isn't the vertical software and services stack.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. But that, that again, I think that speaks to that whole catalog of ships, that I mentioned before, where it's like every single partner mentioned, right? They have so, I mean, every 10 minutes, he would stop and just like name a list of companies that were working on this stuff. Right, right, okay. right. And, um, it's right? and so- It's good to be the king, you know, it's good to be yeah, the king. It's, it's good to be the king. Like they, they literally have a press release that says, NVIDIA works with a hundred plus partners on healthcare solutions. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean- So, so in, in, in that context where they're not directly competing with the cloud service providers, they're partnering with them. It, I I think that does speak to like they, they, they have a they have an eye on where the business model should be, and yeah. I think that you know we, we can we can I guess we're gonna see like how that value really gets divvied up and how much software revenue, cloud revenue they can really manage, um, but even if even if they don't capture AWS like margins on their sure Omniverse, it's it's still they've done a lot of the verticalization work. And so they're really, really well positioned. Now, yeah. just, just saying that it occurs to me, they didn't actually talk much about Amazon. They talked a lot about Google and a lot about Azure, but I don't know that they mentioned AWS once. The, I,
0: you know, I'm blanking. If they did, it wasn't brief passing, but I think you might be right. Um, it, it is interesting. I mean, at some point in time, we should just do a, do one on Amazon to, to see our, our friend Dylan wrote an interesting piece about how AWS is in, in troubling, a troubling position. I mean, I think he straight said they're going to lose the the AI war, but I wouldn't go that far, but it is interesting to see what bets are being placed. Um, but yeah. it was definitely not a highlight Google Microsoft. You can tell like they are all in NVIDIA is all in with those two companies.
1: Yeah, especially if you think about, like, AWS actually has a training chip. It has Trainium, and it has Inferentia. And yep. as far as I know, they're, they're, those are b- both first generation, but as far as I know, they're actually working on second generation silicon. So they must be seeing something like, like I don't, right. from everything I can see, they're not actually gaining much share in the training market. Um, yeah. But they don't need a lot because they have their own, their, their own workloads they can run on Trainium. But it is it is going to be interesting to see how how AWS plays in all this and why yeah. why they weren't there this year. They clearly think they they don't didn't need to be, yeah, didn't want to be. Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe they're just maybe they're just negotiating a contract and they're you know they didn't sign it in time to get a keynote slot.
0: But they, I mean, they but they definitely need to get into the limelight in some way. I mean, just what they did with Hugging Face is not alone in my uh, uh, by itself enough in my opinion. So aws has got to get into this conversation um all right i said that was the last question but last question just because i'm going to put you in the stop spot for our investor audience as we speak nvidia's pe is 111.49 is this company undervalued
1: at that pe (laughs) what's what are numbers 100 pe (laughs) what's a number It is, I mean, in order for them to live up to that valuation, this has to be the first semiconductor stock to hit uh, a trillion dollar market. A trillion, yeah, a trillion, yeah. So let's think, what would it take to do that? Uh, They would need to win a lot more in the data center. And so that's probably working in their favor, right? We have... Yeah. Big, big CPU shift to heterogeneous compute. Yep. Yep. It's a lot of wallet opening up for, for GPUs. Um, we have to see, we probably have to see that accelerate, which may happen with all this GPT stuff and all these LLMs coming out. You may see an even more radical shift to, you know, let's go crazy. It's called 50% GPU in the data center. Um, th- those look hard to do. Those look It's not impossible, but it's a little heroic. Uh, so yeah, from from a pure math standpoint, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get to this being, you know, it's it's it, it feels a little expensive. Yeah. But but strategically, they're in, they look like they're in really good shape. And Certainly, yeah. anything in the data center, like they just have such this this huge portfolio in the data center. Yeah. Um, it's it's and right and cloud is gonna it's you know cloud's gonna keep growing for yeah. You know, for a while, yeah. so they look pretty well positioned for that.
0: Yeah, um, no, I,
1: I think they're. I, I think their their big gap is is automotive because autonomy is not coming anytime soon. Right. That's that's the one the one sort of flaw in their armor. Yeah,
0: and and even then that be, that might be more of a back end play than a win on uh, on the uh, the automotive uh, on the cars themselves. But but you know, I mean, I think the interesting thing is right. They're they're what thirty billion ish a year right now. I mean you could make the case that could grow, that could double. That doesn't necessarily put you at a at a trillion. But over time, you know, they they have it what looks like a roadmap to increase demand of GPUs. The CPU stuff I think will be interesting to really see. I mean, we got a we got a glimpse of, of Grace Hopper today. You could imagine that they go full, full assault on X86 with arm based CPUs and take over the arm or try to take over the arm based CPU market itself. Um so there's path, but I agree with you. I mean, getting to a trillion outside of again just people pouring money in them and increasing their PE to get inflated, which which could happen. But yeah. they are they are they are very dominant at, at the well, moment. So yeah, I, yeah.
1: And I just be clear. I just said just be clear. I think they will hit that trillion dollar valuation, but it won't necessarily be justified by right. fundamentals.
0: Yeah, agreed. But the street likes uh, dominant companies. I'm not using the M word. In this case, but the street likes dominant companies. (laughs) All right, Jay. Good chatting on NVIDIA. Until next time, thanks, everybody,
1: for listening. Thank you, everybody.